The NFL draft is over. It is now on to the 2016 season at full speed ahead. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast, as always. We also have Shane Alexander here. You may remember Shane from uh, our uh, our live show that we did on draft night, as well as all of the mock drafts that he was posting leading up to the draft. And Shane, I uh, appreciate you joining us today. I know that you're on the road right now, I believe. Yeah, doing a little bit of traveling today, but uh, it's always good to hop on, and I've been looking forward to just recapping everything and, and getting those thoughts out in the open for everybody. Outstanding. Now, where are you on the road right now, actually? I am close to Birmingham, Alabama, on the Interstate 65, headed south to Mobile, Senior Bowl country. I mean, this is about as good as it gets. We have a a Skype conversation going on right now with you in transit. This is about as good as it gets. Now we're going to talk a little NFL draft with you. Absolutely. Like, if I'm going to have to kill you know some time on the road, why not talk draft with y'all guys? Well, let's uh, let's start off in terms of you know when when you look at the way this draft unfolded, and I guess we'll start probably on day one. Biggest surprises that you saw coming out of the uh, the first round of the draft. Yeah, you know, real quick, we'll, we'll start off saying, who would have ever predicted Laramie Tunzel to fall to 13? Yep. You know, 15 minutes before the draft starts, uh, a video comes out of him, uh, out, uh, of him, excuse me, and then as soon as the timer starts on the first pick, some Instagram posts come up, teams start freaking out because this is happening in real time, it's never happened that way, and they don't know if this is a date of, you know, thing that he's done or if it's from the past. You know, we've heard several teams come out and say they took him off their board altogether, Maybe the Ravens were one of those. I mean, he could have been a Raven at six, ended up being a Dolphin at 13. So that was clearly something we've never seen, and it really was the first time social media impacted something so big as the draft in real time. Um, you know, another couple of things where Jack Conklin being traded up for, I, I get why the Titans did it, but he was a little bit higher than I would have taken him, especially if they're trading back up. I figure, hey, just go ahead and draft, you know, Tunzel at that value. It's phenomenal. Um you know, another guy that, that went a little bit higher than I would have picked would be Will Fuller for Houston, the wide receiver. But I get it. They want a compliment to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. And he's very different than Jalen Strong, who they took last year in the draft. Um, and then, you know, the last thing was just how far Paxton Lynch fell. I was a little bit wrong. I expected him to go in the top ten. And whether you liked him or not, my thought process was some team's going to come up for him because once those first two are off the board, teams will panic. You know, we saw several teams pass on him, including the Jets. The Cowboys apparently tried to come back up for him, but Seattle ends up trading with Denver. Denver gets what I think is their future franchise guy at, at pick 26, and they didn't give up hardly anything to get him. Uh, that was a tremendous uh, pick. And then my favorite pick probably the first round, and I, we'll probably touch on this more when we say, you know, who won the draft. I love Jalen Ramsey to Jacksonville. He was a prototypical player for that system. They didn't have to trade up to get him. Maybe the best player in the draft fell to them at five, and that really changes their fortunes moving forward. Shane, looking at this draft, particularly kind of out of the first couple of rounds shaked out, are you impressed with how Cleveland played this, get an extra value in the terms of picks, or do you think that even though they did that, they didn't, might not get the return on the picks that they made? Personally, I think they, they traded themselves out of contention for – uh, some of the top players that fell in rounds two and three. At some point, you have to start taking guys and stop trading back. And I liked the Corey Coleman pick because I get why they did it. 
Um, and then, but in round two and three, I thought they made some some picks that that I wouldn't have picked based on who else was still available. I get the Ogba pick and I get the NASA pick, but I thought there were other guys, uh, especially Chris Jones at the top of round two. I thought was a no brainer. And then deep in the draft, they took four wide receivers and a tight end. The tight end pick is fine, I guess, but drafting four wide receivers was extremely redundant because some of those guys mirror each other as far as skill set goes, and you can't get you know nine receivers on the field, which is what they have on their roster now. I wish they would have dressed maybe more starter positions in the middle of the rounds instead of scattering it out through all those picks. I didn't love what they did. You know, They went with a spray-and-pray type. Uh, philosophy where they're taking as many guys as possible and hoping they hit on several of them because statistically that probably will happen. But I would have hoarded picks in the second, third round by trading down and trading back up and really got some cornerstone pieces. Shane, as you get past uh, the first round and we start to look at rounds two and three on that second day of the draft, what picks stand out to you as being uh, incredibly strong as well as incredibly confusing on those on that day? Uh, Jacksonville, I just talked about with Ramsey in round one. Uh, to quote uh, Heath Ledger from A Knight's Tale, they changed their stars uh, in this draft by getting Miles Jack in the second round. Like, that was a tremendous pick. Uh, they, they went edge rushers after Jack and really addressed their defensive line. So even if Dante Fowler doesn't come back from this ACL, they've got guys that they can just rotate. Tyrone Holmes from Montana is arguably the third best pure pass rusher in this class outside of Joey Bosa and Shaq Lawson. I love what they did there as far as addressing value and then going all in on need, which is defensive line. I loved what San Francisco did in the early rounds. I didn't love their whole draft. Uh, Forrest Buckner, Joshua Gornett, and Will Redmond were the first three picks. I really liked that. Um, and then third, uh, you know, I really liked how the Chicago Bears drafted. They had the highest rated draft, um, in my opinion. And they took three guys that I had first-round grades on. I didn't love how high Leonard Floyd went, but he's still a first-round player in my mind. Cody Whitehair was a late first-round player for me, early second-round player. They got him at good value. And in the third round, they got probably still the draft based on value. Jonathan Bullard fell, and they got a first-round guy in my opinion. I had Jonathan Bullard top 25 uh, on the board. I think one of the reasons he fell is just he's a little bit of a tweener. Uh, but Chicago will figure out how to play him because Vic Fangio is one of the smartest defensive minds in the game. He knows how to move guys around. So they they potentially got three top 35 players on my draft board. That's a home run. That's how you change a franchise by drafting cornerstone players. Uh, to be quick, on the other side, I didn't love New England's draft at all. And some of that was because they didn't have a first. But I didn't love the Brissett pick in the third round at all. He was a six-round value for me. I didn't like Vincent Valentine. He was a six-round value for me. I thought there were other players on the board at defensive tackle. And I didn't like what the Cardinals did. I mean, Kandichi's a fine pick, but Brandon Williams in the third round was a guy that I knew of. He played cornerback at Texas A&M after converting to running back. But I didn't really scout him because I didn't honestly consider him uh, a top you know, two-day pick. And they must have just really saw something in him and were scared that another team may jump them in the, in the next round. But they averaged a pretty low score on my system so the Cardinals and the Patriots are probably being their championship games respectively next season but I didn't think they had a strong draft first of all Shane massive credit to you for that Knight's Tale reference I always appreciate a good Knight's Tale reference love that movie I wanted to ask you about Washington because for me I think they actually had a very good draft as well I mean I like what they did in the first round with Dawson then in the second round, they get Cravens, a guy that I know some people were high on. And then they go Kendall Fuller in the third. But what are your thoughts on what Washington did in this draft? 
Yeah, I love what they did. You know, they, they're putting a really solid team together. And I know because of the whole name ordeal and Dan Snyder, uh, it's not, you know, it's not often you pump them up and you, you look at them as team in the NFL right now. But what they're doing from their front office and on the field, you have to give them mad props for. Uh, Josh Doxon's a great receiver prospect, and he fits what they need. Garcon is becoming that wide receiver three possession style guy. Jackson's getting a little bit long in the tooth, but he's still a burner. They needed that alpha male, and we know Kirk Cousins likes to chuck. This guy that can go up and really be physical at the catch point. That was a really nice pick. They got Sua Cravens, like you said, who I think can play inside linebacker in their in their system and and really just flow all over in the middle of the field. Uh, Matt Ioannidis was a Senior Bowl favorite for a lot of people, and he'll be a guy that he may not have a lot of you know deep stats on the box score, but he's going to be a super selling guy on field, technically sound in the locker room. And then they added uh, Kendall Fuller, who if he was healthy his entire career at Virginia Tech, he's probably a first round pick. Some people like him at safety long-term over cornerback, and I could even see that because they got Brashad Breeland, they've got Josh Norman, they can transition him into D'Angelo Hall's role at safety. So, yeah, they had a really solid class, and they took a flyer on Nate Sudfield late in the draft. He's a big guy, big arm. If he turns out to be a bust, they didn't lose anything. If he turns out to be a nice development guy, you know, they hit on the gym. So I absolutely think they, they had a good draft, and they're a you know, 9-10 win team next year, I think. Shane, looking uh, at the New York Jets, a uh, team that we've talked about a little bit uh, in terms of you know some of the things that they, they did during this draft here, a uh, couple questions stand out to me. The first is the selection of Christian Hackenberg in the second round, and then also uh, using a pick on a punter, but also bringing in another punter after the draft as an undrafted free agent. It doesn't seem like the most efficient use of resources necessarily. No, you know, starting with the Hackenberg pick, I get it. You know, Hackenberg's, you know, his freshman year was one of the most impressive things I've seen in a while. No one drove the Hackenberg train longer than I did, and I drove it right into the ground. Um, you know, it seems petty and it seems fickle and trivial, but he had small hands. And when his hand size come out of the combine, I really knocked him down on my big board. Uh, I think history shows hand size matters. Uh, on top of being spotty as far as tape goes, you know, he's a guy that I hope doesn't play soon. I hope they get this Ryan Fitzpatrick thing you know, worked out because if he's forced to play soon with all these uh, mechanical issues he's got, you know, he could be the next David Carr, I really think. He could be a nice starter. He could be a Fitzpatrick type, I think, long term if he's given time. I like the Darren Lee pick. That's a very philosophical, ideological pick. He's going to be their day on Buchanan for Todd Bowles. I like the Jordan Jenkins pick. You know, he's a long-armed guy that can play off the edge. Really liked him a lot. But past that, I didn't love the draft. The punter thing, you know, I defer to you, but sitting on the West picking, I thought there was better punters available. And it appears we've actually lost Shane Alexander in transit at this point. Uh, not exactly sure if we're going to be able to get him back. We will try uh, in a little bit to see what we can do here. I think... Uh, Probably traveling through some uh, some weather. It sounds like with some rain, Mark. I guess you know t to look at some of the uh, you know some of the teams here. Any any moves that surprised you in particular? I mean, there were a couple of moves. I mean, when we were doing that live show during the first round to see Seattle, we knew they had to address offensive tackle. Um, they come back in and they get Jermaine Ifedi uh, at the end of the first round. Um, probably not the move that a lot of people really saw coming. Um, not that, you know, 
I mean, in the sense that we knew they were going to go offensive tackle, which just maybe they would go in a different direction, not a feed. But I think, you know, guys like Conklin going early, Decker going somewhat earlier than maybe people expected, they were in a position where they'll, after a feedy, it got a little bit thin at that position. So they needed to come up and get a guy. So that was interesting. Um, some other stuff that stood out on day two. I mean, obviously, there's the quarterbacks that we can talk about. Um, I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. Henry Hunter um, going to the Chargers with the fourth pick in the second round. He's a tight end. Uh, I know they need a tight end. and They need to address that position. But this is kind of a thin class. And to go tight end early in the second day, I don't know if that's a pick that makes a ton of sense. But, you know, again, I'm just a guy sitting here, you know, drinking a soda. I'm not exactly in the war room, so they must have seen something. Jihadi Ward to the Raiders. Um, he turned heads down in Mobile, Chuck. When you and I were down there, people were saying, look, you know, this is a guy that could they could make something with him in the NFL. I mean, he's got the raw tools to it. But, again, you look at him on tape. Tape doesn't quite match up with the hype that he was getting, but still comes off the board mid-second round. So that was an interesting selection. A guy that fell, I think, more than people thought he would was Mackenzie Alexander. He was getting a lot of first-round hype, but then, you know, he fell down to pick 54 with the Vikings, but that might be a good landing spot for him to, you know, work under Mike Zimmer. Uh, Zimmer likes some of those bigger guys, but Kenzie Alexander might project to be maybe a slot-type guy. And then at the last pick, the Broncos in the second round, Adam Gostis, another guy that our guys down under Wooten wide love from Australia himself, a defensive tackle from Georgia Tech, Comes off the board in the second round. I think that was a nice pick. Denver had, I think, a nice, quiet, solid draft. I mean, yeah, they make the move for Lynch, but they addressed some other needs for them as well. They get Gostas in the second round. They get Justin Simmons at the end of the third round. So I think Denver had a nice draft too. I think we'd be remiss to uh, to go anywhere near ending the show before talking about uh, Dan Vitale, who we've talked about quite a bit yep. heading into this draft. And we sit here today – and see that he went with the uh, 197th pick, the 22nd pick in round six to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, certainly, you know, you and I have talked about him quite a bit, uh, and you know, could be a very productive six-round pick for Tampa Bay here. Well, I mean, at the outset, let's just say this: inside the pylon now has basically become a Tampa Bay Buccaneers supporting club i mean you because, and i, I have mean, jerseys at this point like, yeah i mean not only do they trade up in the second round to draft aguayo they grab our boy dan vitale in the sixth round pick 197 and no matter what happens the rest of his career you can always say look i went 197 tom brady went 199 so i was drafted ahead of tom brady there you go yeah but no i i think the vitale thing can fit i think they'll they can you can find a use for him he's an athletic guy i know he's slotted in as a fullback but he had a great combine i mean he matched up if you you know go on mockdraftable.com and play around those spider webs you take his combine performance and slot him as an inside linebacker yep. and he matches up with the measurables of a luke keekley i mean this is the type of athletic talent we're talking about so I'm sure they can find a home for him down in Tampa Bay. I certainly hope they do. I mean, he's going to wear number ninety, number thirty-three, and he's already talking about he picked it for a reason. It's because they do. There's a charity that does work with pediatric cancer. When he was on the podcast with you and I, Chuck, he talked about he got the haircut, donated that as well. He seems like an incredibly nice guy. Got to be rooting for him to make it in the league. You mentioned, uh, you know, Luke Keekley. Is is Vitaly the type of guy who can make his mark on special teams? I mean, he seems to have the speed 
and you know the size that you'd like to see on you know a punt coverage unit or inside on a uh, kickoff team seems like there'd be a role for him right away there even if he's not able uh, to step right into a major role on offense right now well I mean I'm already thinking about him kind of that up back shield type and you know the, on the punt team yep Yep. I mean, I think he would slot in there nicely for, you know, to start out as a rookie and build him out for there. I mean, again, Northwestern kid, economics major, seems like he's got a head on his shoulders. You got to have some responsibility if you're that up back on the punt team. Seems like that's something he could handle as he starts out in the NFL. Absolutely. We got uh, about a minute or two left. Anything else that you want to hit before we uh, wrap up here? I mean, I know. We're going to do a quarterback show. I don't know if we're going to get to talk about this, so I'll just mention it right now. Vernon Adams and Trevon Boykin not getting drafted, and then both of them now going to Seattle. Um, I know that I and a lot of people were a lot higher on Vernon Adams than the NFL was. And, you know, on all the articles that I wrote about him and most other people did too, we, you know, we rationalized it and said, look, we're high on him. We understand the reality of the situation. This guy's probably not going to get drafted. So it's a little frustrating to see that both Boykin and Adams now are basically competing for the same job. And, you know, Adams just got a tryout. Um, so that was a little frustrating to see. But again, it's just sometimes there's a disconnect between what we see on the outside looking in and what the NFL sees up close and what they're really looking for. So just something to learn. Adjust your own process out there as we get ready for the next draft cycle, which kicks off right now. Kicking off right now, Mark Schofield, Shane Alexander was in here a little bit earlier as well. Chuck Zada, make sure you follow us on Twitter, as always, at IT Pylon. Also, if you have two seconds, head over to iTunes, give us a quick review, tell people that you love us, or you can tell them that you hate us. We know that you'd be lying if you said that, but you can say whatever you want. We will be back tomorrow, as Mark said, talking a little bit about quarterbacks on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast.